We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I don't have nearly enough time to list all the tasty ways you can enjoy chicken at McDonald's, but I'll give it a go. The always flavorful Chicken McNuggets made with all white meat chicken or the savory buttermilk crispy tenders battered to perfection or all the familiar and exotic flavors of the signature crafted recipes, including the new garlic white cheddar chicken sandwich with grilled or crispy chicken drizzled with creamy garlic aioli. I have to cut it short here, but you have time on your side. So go and savor every bite of your chicken. McDonald's. Chicken how you like it. I participate in McDonald's. This is, this is, this is, this is. Heat beat, heat beat, heat beat, with Giancarlo Navas and Brian Goins. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas, and with me today is Brian Goins. He you did two shows in a row, Brian. You never do two shows in a row. I'm on a streak. No, you're on a streak. You're always unavailable. You're always DTD day to day. Now you're here for us. You're supportive. It's because it's spring break. Like a good co-founder. We also have Alf, Heat Twitter president. Sir, how are you? What up, what up? And special guest, Israel Gutierrez, making the time for our clown show. Sir, good evening. How are you? I would argue Alf is a special guest, but thanks for having me on here. <laughs> Alf is a special guest. <laughs> Very special. I'm special in the, all the wrong reasons. Though. All the this... wrong reasons. Well, at least you're not drinking this, this show. Or are you? I already drink. Okay, good. So we got <laughs> that out of the way. Yeah. What, what, what's, what's your drink of choice? I don't even know. you just vodka, right? Vodka Sprite. Okay. Not, not straight like... vodka? I keep things simple, brother. Keep things simple. <laughs> Israel. So we had um, we had Jason Leisure on on Monday, and he was telling us some great Birdman stories. And Birdman is a character, to say the least. And I wanted to know if you had any really good stories of him to share, because we're always down well, for a good Birdman story. It's not really a great story. Uh, Wait a and second. And honestly, I was kind of in and out a little bit of that locker room over the last four. Now I was there for a while, you know, the uh, several times when he was there, but I never really got tight enough 
you know, with Bird in particular, where it was just like, all right, you know, this is going to, you know, we'll, we'll do weird, you know, stuff or whatever. I, I think Leisure was kind of his guy. Um, I think he did, you know, Ethan Skolnick he was cool with. But there was one time I was in there, and um, this was last year, actually. I think it was the beginning of last year or late in the previous season. But he was clearly feeling pretty comfortable with his time there. And it was after a game. He's all dressed, ready to go. And he's got some sort of hunting knife on him. I don't know. Knives, I don't know. Yeah. And so he kind of just like, I forget to who it was. It was one of the younger players. He kind of just like sort of very discreetly like kind of pulled it out and like threatened him real quick and then slid it right back in his pocket. Something like that. Right. And uh, I looked around because it was about, you know, 10, 15 media members in there. I looked around like, nobody else saw that? Okay. And so uh, I told somebody else about it and they're just like, yeah, that sounds about right. That's that sounds magical. Like, that sounds exactly like Javaris Currenson and Gilbert Arenas. Uh, yeah, not exactly. <laughs> oh, not exactly. Like, well, Jason Leisure told us he got a really sweaty hug. So your story's so much better than this. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, yes, my story is better. You're I'd rather watch that happen than get a sweaty hug from Bird. Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's kind of gross. Um. Birdman's well. Birdman and Chalmers were were pretty close, right? Like when they were together on the team. Um, Bird got along with everybody, but in particular, the guys that were just yeah, the more chill, kind of relaxed guys, the single guys he got along with well. Oh, yeah. And Bird and Mario was one of those guys that yeah, they just I mean they weren't. I, I don't think I ever saw them like leaving the locker room together or whatever. But you know he got he, they got along and, and Bird got along with everybody, and he he felt really comfortable in this locker room and uh it was sad to see him go but he was really appreciative of what he got here the reason why i brought up chalmers is because heat lifer chalmers and heat lifer after he beat lebron in memphis because all you petty ass people were happy that they won uh tour waved right alf did you hear the news yeah waved, waved. yeah and it's, I, I, th- I don't think it's any anything on chalmers i think they have like three sure. healthy bodies on that team and <laughs> they, they need whatever relief they can get um, and I think that that actually uh, Ethan was bringing up that um, that point guard they signed from the D League that actually lessens the chance of him uh, becoming available for the Heat uh, for the playoff Weber. run. Yeah, Briante Weber. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't his know. Name. I don't know. <laughs> do you guys, do you, do you guys keep up with that? <laughs> no, I mean Jack's not here for this kind of stuff. <laughs> what were you saying, Izzy? He hasn't earned the right for us to speak his name yet. That would also that would just take way too much work, and I I need I need my time to make jokes, so I can't research D League point guards. That's not no right. time for this. We have a guy for that. Oh uh, no, but yeah. the, the reason why I brought that up is because like the Chalmers experience was something magical, right? It's like you hated him, and then he did something kind of okay, but you mostly hated him. But he was your guy. And then, like, now that's gone, and he's waved, and he's hurt, and he's probably never going to be the same because an Achilles injury in that sport is brutal on a guard. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate for him. Um, it's weird because I felt like people always thought that Mario was going to eventually, like, level off and be this consistent, consistently good player. And, you know, the whole time I'm saying to myself, no, man, like, this is who Mario is, is that whole confidence that whole irrational confidence thing, it's real. It never goes away. He's going to try. He's always going to try to do more than he can. Sometimes it's going to look good. Sometimes it's not. But for, I mean, to, to say that you were a starting point guard on back-to-back championship teams, like how many people can say that? I, I know you've got like the Derek Fishers of the world 
uh, who've done it or the Steve Kerr, BJ Armstrong, that type. But even them, like think about those guys, if they didn't win championships, we'd be like, oh yeah, that BJ Armstrong was a pretty good shooter (laughs) back in his day, right? But he is who he is and we remember him so much because of championships. So Mario Chalmers, you throw him right in there with that group. He might not be, you know, I remember Ethan always tells a story about how he said early in his career that uh, you know, would you model yourself after Derek Fisher? And he said, no, I'm trying to be like Chris Paul. And I was like, oh, okay. It's <laughs> the most All real right. thing ever. You don't, you, don't know your, you don't know what lane you're actually in, but uh, what he did do was admirable. And, yeah, it's, um, it's one of those guys that if you don't really get what's good about him unless he's on your team, really. But I would argue that his kind of – uh, appeal to especially the fan base here and it's kind of like something that you see in retrospect it, it especially with guys that have won was just the experience of him like he was an experience he was more the re- than the real coaster exactly yeah it wasn't <laughs> that he won or it wasn't that he was a part of winning it was just the entirety of his being as mario chalmers the All thing the that no- got the most sorry Al, the thing that got me the most about mario is it was ne- like you want some sort of excitement out of him. You want some sort of great quote. You want him to sort of relive a moment. and be- You never got that. Like, he's- he was always in the locker room, like, uh, just absolutely relaxed. Like, uh, uh, even, I think the most animated I've ever seen him was after that game in the finals against OKC, where he had the big game when they put Kevin Durant on him because they thought that was, you know, a way to free up Durant from having to defend <laughs> LeBron, and he considered it. I mean, the guy was a future MVP, but yet he considered that an insult. His go time. And the way he was talking after, the, after that game was probably the most animated I've seen him, but even that wasn't very. Well, he's not the best interview, at least from what I've heard and what I've read. Like, he's not a very talkative guy. Well, he's yeah, not, his, per, his personality thing. didn't match his game at all. He was, you know, his game is all over the place, frenetic, crazy. And then he's, his interviews, I mean, he can put you to sleep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That was that, that was a strange thing about Mario. And then one thing I, about Mario that's weird is when you had this team that was so many high IQ basketball players. Like that's one thing about the Big Three era. It was a lot of high IQ basketball players. Like it would always be except well, except Chalmers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, Beasley, high, and Beasley. And <laughs> Beasley. Well, he he really wasn't part of the Big Three era. Biffles. But right. part of but part of Chalmers' appeal was that he didn't have a high IQ, and that kind of helped him because if he had a high IQ, he'd probably realize he wasn't as good of a basketball player as he thought he was. So just as he was saying, that irrational confidence is kind of what made Mario great and awful at the same time. Yeah, I mean, he – but the kind of grandeur of delusion, if you will, was is like that is him. That is his being, and that is who he is. And we have spent way too much time talking about – point guard that's not here but i just love no it's always fun to talk about him just because he like had this weird effect on well wait before you before you move on though i gotta ask you like is it is it cold-blooded of the grizzlies to waive him now i know he's got to go have surgery and he's going to be a free agent but you would think that maybe after the surgery because it's the season's going to go along they're still going to be in the playoffs you would think you might want to have let him be on a team so that he can, you know, rehab maybe in your facility. And he's got to do all that stuff on his own now. Now, I know they need bodies. I know they, they need the roster spot. But like, I don't 
think the Heat would have done that, do you? I don't think well, they would have. Well, they well, kind of did with Benno, kind of, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think they did it because out of any, you know, any cold bloodedness. I think it was just because if you've seen what that roster has gone through, man, like they just needed the roster spots. You know what? You're right. I take that back. Like if I'm, yeah. I'm thinking right now, if they would have asked Rio, hey Rio. Uh, cool. If we wave you, like, yeah, I don't have to come to the games anymore. So yeah, no, never mind. It's not cold blooded. And they also kind of did the same to Ben. right? Benno got hurt, and they they had to. I mean, yeah, yeah. And that's you're right. I mean, it's pretty. It's it's almost exactly the same thing, except one is for an injury, and the other one is for actually. You know what? No, no, it's exact same thing. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. And both backup point guards, so it, it's real similar. The, well, the Benno thing is weird because what didn't Benno didn't the Heat benefit from that? Wait, Benno I take that did, back. It's probably worse for the Heat because they just cut him to save luxury tax space. Like, <laughs> You're right. That is more savage. <laughs> the Grizzlies just needed the roster. <laughs> yeah, the Grizzlies had to win games. And Mickey they, wanted that paycheck. Aren't the Grizzlies like ten games over five hundred? Like how how are they so good? I have no idea. It's so I weird. No I, I mean, there's a few teams that where Barkley's right, where he said that they're unwatchable. And when Marcus Sol went down, I just assumed the Grizzlies were unwatchable. I didn't really watch a ton of Grizzlies games since he went down. And um, yeah, they're, I, have no, I have no idea how they're doing it. I just figure maybe a lot of these guys who've been playing in this grind, you know, grit and grind offense are probably feeling great about this over some sort of freedom or something. Or maybe it's just the fact that nobody really knows how they're going to play because they're all hurt. But uh, yeah, they're. I would call them interesting, but I, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I would be intrigued to see who they match up with in the playoffs if they continue. I think. I think. I think they're boring opponents to sleep. Like, like I think they are that, just. That'd be the, the Bucks. Well, no, the Bucks. At least they got Giannis. Is a little bit exciting. I think with the with with the Grizz, just like is he saying, you don't know what you're. You don't know what you're getting. Uh, you walk into that arena, you have no idea who's playing that night. You, right. you, you sounds look, familiar. You, yeah, well, it sounds like last year. Sounds a lot like last year. Yeah, for some reason, Beasley and Walker weren't above ten games above five hundred. William Walker, as we called them. <laughs> was he? Was he? Yeah. Was so he, he was William, and then he became Henry. Yeah, where are you later? No, the best. The best part was his explanation. Like, I want to leave that in the past. So you change your name to Henry. <laughs> like, what the hell is that? Like, Who chose that? I, I don't know. Maybe, okay. Moving on. That was the team I wasn't around a lot. So <laughs> good for you, Issy. Lucky you. You didn't miss anything. Is that is that the team that made Jason Leisure sad and do an interview in a parking lot by himself? That was the best interview <laughs> of all time. He was in Indianapolis in like a McDonald's parking lot, and it was, <laughs> it made me so sad and happy at the same time. And he's such a good guy. <laughs> okay, we moving on to we have so much to cover today. Uh, moving on to Bosch. So this news comes out. Well, he has a, well, his agent or him. I don't even know. It was his agent, right? His PR firm. It's, it's basically his PR team. Let's put it that way. So very careful language chosen. And I guess trying to piece things together, it would kind of indicate that he's on was on blood thinners and he's waiting until Eastern Conference Finals to maybe come back if the doctors clear him. However, it would appear from what I'm reading that the Heat don't want to clear him. Dude, you, wait, you got all that from that from that. No, I'm just saying from what I'm reading, from what I'm from what it's being. I didn't even about. get the Eastern Conference. <laughs> like, I didn't even get the. Well, didn't playoffs. they say no? Hold on, wait. Didn't didn't he say that he that he's hopeful or or um, uh, Tim Reynolds said he's hopeful to return this season, which going back to the original report of 
uh, Woj saying he had the clots, that doing math would put him after taking the blood thinners. Well, see, would- this is the tricky part is everybody sort of a, whether they read up on it or they listen to doctors, assume that there's some sort of standard procedure for treating this. And really there isn't. You could hypothetically um, be come off the blood thinners once the the clot dissolves. And the blood thinners isn't to dissolve the clot because the, the, the clot dissolves itself. It's to make sure that it doesn't travel and it's sort of preventative. So once that clot has dissolved, you don't need the medicine. You can come off of it. Uh, the, the concern there is if this was a secondary situation, or it is, it's a second situation with this, um, if he would have to stay on blood thinners as a preventative measure forever so that this doesn't come up. But, and this is hypothetically, they could do this. They could say, Chris, we will literally test you or give you a sonogram or whatever the case may be after every single physical experience, whether it be a practice, <laughs> whether it be a game. And if they have the resources to do that, then they could probably get away with that. But I just still don't even know in that scenario if a team at the NBA would be comfortable letting a guy who had potential who has potential for blood clots to, to continue to play that way, even though he wasn't on blood thinners. Now, it's a risk, essentially, that Chris Bosh is taking, and he's taking a loan. But if you're the Miami Heat also, um, you know, you're paying this guy a lot of money, and you want to know whether it's even worth it or if he's going to be in and out and in and out, then that's not going to benefit him either. It's not going to benefit either of them. So um, it just seems to be one of those tricky situations where they're looking for a firm answer from a doctor that both of them can say – or multiple doctors, who knows, that both parties can agree is reputable and you have trust in, and then it's, okay, get back out there, do what you got to do to get uh, to get on the court. I still think, based on the fact that both parties have not said something in unison, that there is still some sort of gap there. I don't know what it is, and I don't know if it's maybe they, they Chris Bosch's doctor who is suggesting something maybe is not having of the same opinion as the team or league doctors or what have you. So there's just a lot of, of question marks still in the air. He says, what I thought was interesting about the wording was, okay, he said, I'm positive that, I'd be able, that I'll still be able to come back this year. A lot of people looked at it as, I am positive that I'm coming back. Other people looked at it as, I'm just confident that I'm coming back. So... If you're a PR firm and you're going through the language here, and that's a questionable word, and this is way overanalyzing a press No, but it seems <laughs> deliberate. The, the wording but seems if that, deliberate. If that's the if, and if you're going over the, the verbiage verbiage of this, I don't know if even that's the right phrase, but <laughs> you're the writer. <laughs> you're looking at that word positive, and you're saying just what we're saying. Well, that could be seen two different ways. But he left it in there anyway. So I think that's I think that was purpose. Purposely. Right. So maybe it's it's Chris being forceful. And if he's not allowed to play, then it's basically him saying, oh, that's on the heat. They're not letting me play. I really want to play. So to me, I just think um, we wouldn't be at a place right now where he'd be able to come back and play. So now that we know that that's the goal, really, now it's just going to be about impatience for everybody. Hey, I want to know. I want to know when's he going to come back. So I think this is where it's going to be really dangerous to expect or to set an expectation on when he might be back because we still don't know for sure that he will. It's just Bosch's side is saying, yeah, we're pretty confident that we'll be back. Izzy, that was a lot of words to say 
we still have no idea what the hell is going on. Exactly. And no, and it's, frankly, it's where we're at. Right. And, and frankly, if you're a Heat fan um, and you're looking the way they're playing currently and you say, yeah, if Chris Bosh comes back, you can sort of plug him into that Amari Stoudemire role potentially and you might improve. Um, but the rest of the team still has to get to this style of play, try to really perfect it, you know, utilize Joe Johnson in a way where he's comfortable to where when, if and when Chris Bosh is ready to come back, it's, it's a simple plug and play. You know, it's a simple transition. It's not, oh, we have to get used to Chris. It's, all right, Chris, you're playing this role. This is what we're doing. You've been watching us do it. He picks up stuff quickly. There you go. We're better as a result. So, um, I, but the way Amari's playing, the way Hassan is playing, and the way Dang are playing, the way those three guys in particular are playing, it doesn't feel like you miss him much. And so if this group wants to, I'm not saying it's true, it just doesn't feel like it. Uh, if this group wants to just focus on them and we're, and just Bosch is a luxury if he comes back, we've seen that they can be pretty good and pretty entertaining. So Heat fans shouldn't just sit on this Chris Bosch news and wait, well, if he's going to come back, we're going to be championship contenders. Just watch this team develop. And the more this team gets to play together, then the easier it will be for Chris Bosch to be utilized if and when he comes back. The only problem I see with him coming into the lineup would be his usage at the elbow and how he kind of slows down the offense. If they don't run a pick and roll, it's a lot of initiating from the elbow, slows down the offense, and we've seen what that does to Goran. So I guess well, that would where's, be... where's Amari been? Like, you guys, have you seen... If you're of... focusing on Amari in the offense... Where Amari's he been at the el- he's been at the elbow a lot, himself. but he's not init- They're not initiating through yeah, him. Yeah, he's not. He's not a focal a point. Set. So when it's yeah, a screen so the at ball, the elbow and the brush screen or whatever, when the ball gets to Amari at the elbow, it's either if it's if it's not wide open, if there's not a uh, an immediate move to make, the ball moves. Now the thing with Bosch is when Bosch is at the elbow, there's a lot of options there. So what Johnny's saying, it, it, it does make sense. It would slow it down just because. Uh, Bosch does have those options, but the, here's the thing: with Bosch on the court, those are really good options. No, so I, I don't don't doubt it. Yeah, and it, to me, but that changes me, how they play. Yeah, but to me, it all breaks down like this: if Bosch coming back this year, do you think it's enough to win you a title? Because I don't think hmm. it's enough. I don't think I, they have enough it time. Might be I enough think, to get to the East Finals. I don't know. I, what, what, yeah. what are well. Let me ask you this, though, because uh, just before we get to those expectations part, because if you look at the offense with Bosch versus Stoudemire, if you when Stoudemire does catch it on the elbow, if he's not wide open, um, it's not just ball movement. He might post. He might go, you know, strong back down, back down, try to throw it up. Uh, what you have an option with Chris is, a you know, screen and sure uh, screen and dive. If you're in that sort of Amari role, um, Amari's probably a little bit more used to sort of turning and catching that pocket pass or maybe that quick lob. Um, but Chris can also fade to the corner, whereas Amari can't do that. That would create some more space. Um, or if Chris just backs up a couple of steps on the fade, on the pick and pop, he, he can probably back up and po- obviously can back up a little bit more comfortably um, than Amari, and that could still open up more space on the floor. So I think there's still a possibility – Plus, we haven't seen him a ton at the five, especially this way with, uh, with a guy like Luol at the four. Um, if he does get the ball there, if you remember, 
I think I wrote a story about it, how Chris, if, when they ran pick and pop stuff in the beginning of a possession, if he caught the ball at the three, like Dwayne Wade said, he can shoot that anytime he wants to. But to mm-hmm. encourage ball movement, there are times where he just moves it. It just moves it right away. So I don't think that just because he's going to be catching it in the elbow a little bit more often as a five, that all of a sudden he's going to slow the offense down. He's still going to look for that pass. He's still going to look for that ball movement. It's just kind of in his nature to make sure that everybody's included anyway. Because remember, when he was playing and he was getting the ball, we all wanted him to be aggressive and go, you know, go find yours. Like, take 30 shots today. But now we're going to want him to play more like he's been playing anyway or sort of instinctively he wants to play anyway. So I don't think it would be a big change if he's in there. I don't know if he's going to go after blocked shots the way uh, Amari has surprised some people and gone after. But I think, you know, defensively, obviously, he's, he's, he's pretty darn good. Miami is averaging almost five elbow touches uh, less since All-Star break. So without Bosch, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty elbow touches significantly down offensive rating uh, higher. So do with that what you will. But also, what? The, 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 I mean, tell me if I'm wrong because you and your silly numbers. Silly um, numbers? <laughs> But when Bosch is the only big out there, I I I seem to remember the offensive rating be really was really good. So I, I'm kind of with Izzy here, where Bosch over Stoudemire is an improvement on the offense. It won't. I don't think it'll slow oh, it down. I, I'm not saying that it's not an improvement. I'm just saying that it will have to. They will change how they play. The pace will go down a, a tick or two. I'm not yeah. saying it's worse, but it'll be different. But and I guess and I guess at what what the big question in here is is it enough of an improvement to warrant the risk of Bosch coming back this year? And well, I guess only that's another point is you mess with the chemistry uh, and what it like if does Amari go from starting and being a big part of this Heat sort of season? I wouldn't call it a turnaround, but you know that boost that they got that they've gotten lately to not playing is that going to vibe well? He couldn't. He wouldn't play, be able to play at all. It'd be nothing but spot minutes. Right. It'd be, it, that's where he'd be. He'd be relegated to spot minutes. And I'm fine with that if the end result is okay. That he has significantly improved, and now their chances at a title are you know are are they're, they're a viable title contender. And okay, now we've we've thrown all the we've thrown all the the safety the safety precautions out the window to, to chase a title. But I just don't feel like they're there yet. So why risk it? Like, why not just say, hey, Bosh, get completely healthy. Let the medication, whatever it is, go through your system. So let's check you out over the summer. So when you come back in uh, 16, 17, that, you know, you're a complete player again. And if I I can drop a little uh, – Advertising for my 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 column. Oh my god, your column. <laughs> leave no, leave Bosch in Miami. It makes sense. Oh, it makes sense. Is he? Have How, you read his ridiculous column? It I, makes I read sense. It. I wouldn't call it ridiculous. I um, think it's a. You don't think it's a little ridiculous to you pay a guy <laughs> the money that they're paying him, and you tell him, you know what, Chris? Wait, wait, Johnny, Johnny, wait. So you're saying it's ridiculous to pay pay Bosch that much money for half the games, dude? What the hell have we done the last two years? Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. that, that would be, <laughs> we like, paid him for half the game. Is there a the precedent playoffs. for what you're proposing? Okay, so just because there's not a precedent for an idea doesn't make it a bad idea. I published your nonsense. Yes, you I did. did okay. And, th- and, th- okay, and thank Brian, you, Brian. Brian, he edited and actually made it sound like English. It I love great. that anecdote in the beginning with Spolstra. 
And who was it? Tell- a lot of people were telling me that didn't even relate to the rest of the article. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I liked it, damn it. I, I was tugging on heartstrings. Fuck you. But um, <laughs> the, 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 the whole thing is you. OK, if Bosch is going to come back and play and he's insisting on playing, you can't make him retire. You, you have to force do, him to retire. I mean, like, no, you like, have, but then you have to do everything in your power what do you do in to the make playoffs? sure the, the that that road schedule is not nearly as strenuous as four oh, yeah, games talking, and five nights talking, on the road. You're talking two flights per series. Yeah, exactly. What I'm talking about is that stupid ass circus road trip, so we can see the Wrangling brothers. Circus road trip. Yeah, here's listen. Where, here's where nobody here's likes where I, the circus. Here's where I think that would end up instead. It's Hey, well, let's just say, I mean, who would it be? Chris making this recommendation or the team? I think it would have to come from the team. It would have to come from the team. So the team says to Chris, hey, Chris, we want to try this experiment and we want to just play you at home. It's the best for your health reasons, whatever, whatever. He'd probably look at that and say, yeah, I'd rather you explore a trade to a team that's willing to take take me on and my condition on – Without having to do that, because you're talking about lack of bonding, you're talking about lack of uh, continuity on the floor. You know, you leave for a six-game road trip and come back, and it's Chris Bosh. I'm here. I'm ready to play now. <laughs> no, mean, but and, and what is he saying great. is so. But the guys I get on the it team as an option, it's real. It, it, it's probably the only thoughtful option I could even think of if you wanted to keep him here. But I just don't think both parties would be okay with it. Well, and then so okay, so my thing is, what are the alternatives? How do you keep Bosch healthy? How do you keep a seven footer prone to blood clots from being in cramped situations that are conducive to clotting? That, and, and this I, is this is all part, moot. That's the part about this, though. Go ahead, so, John. No, I'm sorry, Izzy. It's all moot if he doesn't get another clot next year. Do we know that this is going to continually happen? No. Okay, so, so we're hoping he doesn't get another clot. <laughs> like, no, I know I, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm just like, do we know for sure? Or? I think, think Bosch's gamble is this. Bosch is saying this was 100% fluky, won't happen again. If it happens again, he's screwed. If it happens again, there is no argument. There's nothing. He's got to be on blood thinners forever. I agree. Basically, what he's trying to convince people of, would be my guess, is that I don't have that gene that makes it uh, a reoccurring thing. Um, it could have just been some crazy coincidence. And, you know, it was – Given that it was handled very simply, won't happen again. If it happens again, then I'm for- and my hand is forced. But right now, he probably just doesn't feel like his hand is forced. And exactly. So we don't know. And, and what might happen is he might not get one next year than the following year. But it's such a situation. And hey, that's that only one more year in the contract anyway. Exactly. Well, but, then that, but that changes the dynamic a little bit. But then you'd have a, a, a Wade that's three years older. And I would imagine that the direction of the team is, is completely different. So you have all these things. And at the end of the day, nobody knows anything. What do you think there? Like if you, if you, you know, as in the mind of a competitor, put your uh, basketball knowledge and the mind of a competitor into the head of one of the Heat players right now, what do you think they think would be a good season? Like I know they don't probably think in there, yeah, we're going to go beat the Warriors. But do they feel like if they just make a conference finals and then lose to, say, Cleveland, will they be satisfied then? Or do you think that they think this team can probably make some sort of 
big time run and even get to a final. Doesn't it depend on when you ask? If you ask now, I think they'll be happy with the second round because of what happened to Chris. No way. No, oh, you don't think? I mean, you, I don't. No. I, I think they're probably more confident now than they've been all season long. Then, then to I, start the season when they thought they were going to have their five going in with Hassan. No, I think that, I think at the start of this, like the, five games in. Yeah, I think at the start of the season they they probably said Eastern Conference Finals. I think throughout the season, they're like, well, maybe we're just a second-round team. But I think right now, they look across, they see Joe Johnson, they see the way they're playing, they see the how the offense is moving, they know that they're, they might be getting TJ back before the playoffs, and they're probably looking at it like, I think we can push Cleveland. I think if, I think they think if they push Cleveland to six or seven games and maybe even win it and get into the finals, I think to them that's successful. If they go on the second round versus Toronto or whoever it is, I think they will completely look at that as as a as a as a lost season. I, I, what, if, what if that second? What if the 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 seedings don't allow for an Eastern Conference Finals matchup with Cleveland, but a second round with Cleveland, and they lose that? I think if they push Cleveland, I think I think they'll look at it like, oh, okay, next year we're close. Uh, we're we're getting Bosch back, and we add another piece, and we're there. But that's a. I think that not a not not a favorable matchup because I don't think they'd be favored. But I think they take that matchup. Familiar matchup. No, and and Dang has done exceptional guarding guys like LeBron, and he's had a good career defensively against LeBron. But you know, quicker guys will probably give Dang problems. But a guy like LeBron who can move with laterally, he matches up well against, and and they they have played that's Cleveland got, well. Hmm? You got Justice Joe and Dang who can line up against LeBron and you'd feel pretty okay with it. And you'd have yep. to force Cleveland to play small and I would like to see Kevin Love defend Whiteside in the pick and roll. That's not happening. Well. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, defend in air quotes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because yeah, they're, they're breaking I, over there. I, by the way, Alf, I like how you dropped the, the TJ, the Tyler Johnson reference, uh, as if like the dude that never played a playoff game in his life is going to make that big a difference. <laughs> well, I don't even know where you got Listen. that information from. I, I was going to ask you, like, how do we... Whoa, no, no, his, no, Twitter. his Twitter. His Twitter. He had a Q&A. Oh, is that a thing? I didn't know that. Yeah, he thinks he's coming back right before the playoffs. And what I'm, what I'm saying with that is I'm not saying that Bumpy Johnson is going to make the difference. Listen, I've been, I'm not a detractor of Bumpy, but this whole idea of him being a... Uh, starting caliber point guard. <laughs> okay, we've all seen how that goes. But what I'm how, saying how is, you refer to them by name, huh? Let's oh, Mike Ryan. Listen, we, me, and, I've gone back and forth with Mike Ryan about this. It's fine, but Bumpy giving you another option off the bench who can score, who is capable on defense. Don't they have Josh it, Richardson it, now? Yeah, I'm saying, but listen, when you can go eight, nine, ten deep, I don't know what happened to Josh McRoberts. I think he's dead. I think that's. I think it's a weak in a Bernie situation. Um, <laughs> oh God! No, no that dude. He, oh, that's, is, that's old school reference right there. No, he just becomes animated by the the Seven Nation Army chant. Like he's not an actual he, dude. He's not playing at all. That's my guy. But I'm dude. just. I'm just saying. Ever since the, you wrote that story, Johnny. With, with that depth and with a little because they really don't have a lot of backcourt depth right now. They've been playing. They, I mean, they're playing Josh and Goron together at times, um, and that's where I think you would you'd plug Tyler back in at the at, at a two spot. You'd you'd basically give him Gerald Green's minutes. I would like so to see if he plays guards. at all, it'll be maybe once. Uh, well, in the playoffs, it would be tough because you probably have a set rotation by then that you want to stick to. But if let's just say right now, if he were playing, he'd probably be getting those Gerald Green minutes. They might be there. They might not be. 
but when they are there, he can make a difference. And and you're just a little bit more reliable than a guy like Gerald. Can, can we? I don't know. I'm not the one who's supposed to be directing traffic here, but can we keep on that McRoberts thing? Because I think that's awesome. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. The weekend at Bernie's. Went, oh, I, no. Well, the, the weekend at Bernie's thing. I mean, that, that, that's that, amazing. That, I mean, it would explain the haircut, right? It's a lot more manageable, right? You don't have to worry about all that hair when you're sort of moving him around. But um, I, I don't. I have a theory as to why Spo kind of gave up on him a little bit in this lineup. I don't think he can keep up. I don't think he's in good shape. I don't think he has ever really been – no, I don't know, ever. But I don't think since he's been here, especially because of the injuries, I don't think he's ever been in good shape. And I don't think he can run and keep up his style of play the way these guys are playing. Like in a half-court setting, um, you know, I like him handling the ball in that post, in that mid-post and making passes and everything else. But the way they're playing now, I just don't think he's capable of keeping up. And that's just a theory. I'm not sure. Well, his pace for the year is 95, which is yeah. Uh, but I think his value is defensively more. I think people are are like the flashy passes is what excites him. But I mean, his value defensively is where it's at. But I think what is, what one thing what is he talking about? And it's, it's something that I've read before is that his conditioning has never been top notch. So it's, it's it's something that they were not happy with. When since he's gotten here, his his conditioning and like is he saying if you're running, and and you're running the way this team has been running, can Josh keep up? And he you won't know, defend you, the same way if he's fatigued. No, and and you're absolutely correct. But you you cut his minutes. But I guess in the playoff rotation, you don't want a guy just coming in for a brief, brief spell. Right. I mean, his minutes weren't great, like very consistent anyway. Fifteen a game. Yeah. Right. And his minutes. I mean, have, if you can't keep up with you know eight minutes a half. Then yeah, you probably. <laughs> well, I, I just I, think, I think it's interesting how uh, like Spo has gone to a playoff rotation in March. I mean, he's he's playing eight kids. nine. Guys. Yeah, oh, and he and he's and for the first time, his organization is like, "Hey, you nineteen year olds, just go out there and win me a game." It's ridiculous. <laughs> I love the young lineup of Whiteside, um, Richardson, and and Justice. They just trot them like, out there together with Drogic. The Heat, the Heat actually have a young core going forward, and it's that's kind of amazing to me. The, when did I mean it happened with like Karan Rasul? They were rookies playing together a lot, but that wasn't a playoff team. And then the next year, yeah, right, the next year was Dwayne's year, and it was that was a young team that everybody down here loved, but then, you know, Pat flipped that into Shaq and a title. So we never really had chance a chance to really appreciate a young Heat team. Uh, and this is one with a couple of young pieces that's fun to watch them develop while you're still looking at a at a playoff team. It's kind of best of both worlds right there. The three of them have a 1.6 net rating with a 104 offensive rating and a 102 defensive rating. The three being Jay Rich, Whiteside, and Justice. Nobody knows what that means. Everybody knows what that means. Nobody knows. What Everybody knows. knows what that. That. Nobody you. knows how to find it that fast. So you and Tom Haberstroh are having like <laughs> secret meetings. I have a monitor with uh, stats, and then I have you guys on the other one. So they're uh, they've been okay. I I think the Drogic Drogic probably improves there a little bit, but um, but I, I so, do what. Someone was telling me in my columns I need to add like more numbers and facts and stats. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. You don't I was like, nah. I was like, nah, it's not going to happen. You're out. I, you don't I, write, I write stream of consciousness drivel. Like, you're, either, you're either one or the other. You're either like a guy who just wants to back up everything with stats or you're a guy who wants to weave a tail. And um, both of them, I mean, you're, you're not 
Uh, see, I think people think that we're trying to teach basketball when we write. We're trying to entertain a, a reader, man. We're trying to get people to click it and read it and say, okay, that's pretty good. Whether it be a story about, you know, how he grew, how a player grew up, uh, or whether it be a story about how a guy, you know, is, is fitting into a lineup. If, if it's a numbers-driven story that that's what you need, to, then you find somebody who writes numbers-driven stories. But you don't have to just force in, you know, high-level analytics into a, into a story to legitimize you as a basketball writer. You alienate because, your audience as well. Well, you, well do and, some of that. you do some of that, but also it's just, it's just whatever, whatever you're most comfortable writing is what's going to come across best. That's, and that's my thing. I, what I write is it's complete. Most of it is a complete stream of consciousness. I just sit down. I have a, I have a, I have a kind of a frame of an idea of what I want to write. And I sit down and write it. You know what it's going to look like if I try to put stats in the middle of that? Bad. It's going to look like a term paper where I wrote it and then I went on Wikipedia and I found some facts and I just interjected them in the middle. Right. It just wouldn't even look right. right. It wouldn't sound right. It just wouldn't flow right. And everyone knows I don't care about numbers. Izzy, do you have to go? I don't want to keep you longer than, than, we, than you promised. I know. Nah, I've got a few minutes. I've got uh, food on the way, so it's not here yet. So Okay, cool. We'll, keep going, until, we'll keep going until you can't. That sounded awful. Yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, you always make out. fun of me for how things come out. Who, me? Yeah, you. Yeah, because you, you're corny sometimes. No, I'm not corny. <laughs> I try. <it. laughs> Listen, we all can be corny. I did you know? my best. Oh, you. Oh, you, did, you rap. Izzy, did you know that Alf used to rap? No. Yes. We were like, all young ones. Attempting to be professional? Oh, no, I was good. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, yeah? What did you I call yourself you, before the show? Tell them what you called what yourself. What pro? I mean, what pro? What uh? What actual artist would you compare yourself to? Style wise. Style wise, I was my voice was compared to Jay, which I never heard, but everybody swore I sounded like Jay. I think it was I had a mono, uh, There was a bit of monotone about me. I think that's what happened. Where that came from, but as far as like what I was just I was kind of insane about the things I rapped about. So there was really nothing. I really had no peer, if you want to be honest. Old peer. I, I would have no gone peer. with Chuck D. I mean, it would have been my guess. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck D. Chuck D. Oh, I wasn't that. I wasn't what, that. Tell militant. Izzy what they called you or what you called yourself. Don't if not, I'll use a pre-show. No, no. When you when you would freestyle at UF. Oh, the four bar superstar. Why do they call you the four <laughs> bar superstar? <laughs> Is you know UF. You know, they had the little open mic nights and stuff like that. And every once in a while, it would turn into a battle on stage. And my whole, my whole, yeah, basically, my whole gimmick was I was not a very good freestyler. But I knew how to play the dozens like nobody's business. So while the other person's rapping and they're talking about the metaphysical hyperventilator, all that crap, I'm looking at their, their outfit (laughs) <laughs> and deciding what aspect of the outfit or their, you know, their, their, their personality or their face or what I can make fun of. And I'd come up with four bars real quick. And hopefully uh, the crowd went nuts after those four bars. And I didn't have to keep thinking of uh, freestyle anymore. It, it just worked. Four bars, superstar. That's good, though. That's good, though. Four, what four years bars. there again? I think I asked you this before. Listen, years is a... Uh, Generous. <laughs> what time frame were you there? <laughs> I was there from 99 to uh, uh, 
to December 2000. Uh, yeah. So we Summer overlapped a tiny bit. I was gone in January 2000. So was I. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, wait, no, no. I lasted another 11 months. That's long as you're free. 11? Look at you, buddy. Yeah, you made, you made doing, it seem like you were barely there. I was doing too much of that four-bar superstar. Four-bar superstar. And not actually going to class. That's longer than half of my uh, freshman year roommates made it. So good job. Good job. <laughs> UF is fun, man. F is, F, F is for fun. Dude, <laughs> stuff summer together. B, at, as a freshman, summer B at UF is is a trip. Like, you, you don't come out of that. To say, like, if, if you make it through that, you might make it through four years. I came out of that thing stumbling. I decided uh, to go summer B last second. Uh, long story, it was another school that I was, like, deciding whether I wanted to go there or not. Um, and I decided on Florida, and I went to summer B real quick, and I didn't have any money. So I just, you know that checkers on the corner there? I think it's, like, yes. 13th. And I worked there. I went there, and I was like, hey. And they, I remember they told me, they said, you're not just going to work here for six weeks and then quit. Right? <laughs> I was like, no, no, I'm here for the long haul. I'm broke. I have four years, you know, whatever. And so, no, I did exactly what they said. I stayed there for six weeks. I paid for everything I needed to pay for, and then I quit. It was a miserable experience. You're a savage. No, yeah. you want to know my other, my other college nickname was, it was Roots <laughs> because the only job I could find was working as a furniture mover in the Murphy area. I think you know what I'm talking about is it's the uh, area of UF that where they put the minorities. Um, I, lived <laughs> I lived in Fletcher, my, my freshman year. <laughs> oh, well, this is a high, high society. Uh, <laughs> I lived in Fletcher and uh, um, I lived in Murphy, uh, where they had there was really there was no AC, four, four stories, no AC, no elevator. So there was a they, yeah, job. There was, the job was. Um, during the summer, going to each room because you could not actually house people in that building during the summer. So you had to actually. So while the rooms were empty, you would go in and see what furniture was damaged, uh, what furniture needed to be replaced. And you would actually me and this other guy, we call him Big Mike, would basically move furniture around to different dorm rooms in the middle of these dorms, these buildings that had been closed for weeks. And it's the middle of the summer, no AC. Right. So. As I'm doing this, because I needed money, because my habits couldn't support themselves, <laughs> I'm go, I'm walking around UF like we're, we're carrying dressers and portable closets. And then one of my friends said, I look like a slave. <laughs> so, so my nickname became Roots. <laughs> so, so I carry the nickname Root. Look at Brian. Brian is so afraid to laugh at this joke. It's so funny, Brian. <laughs> I'm so taking carry. a diversity and inclusion class. I can't. Roots. I, can't. I don't even pay you, and you're right. No, nope, you I can't. Right. It was a black person that called me Roots, so it was okay. I carried the nickname Roots for the rest of my college career, which was thankfully very short. Speaking of UF. Quick heads up. I got about a five-minute warning here. Okay. We will, we will close the show. One more thing before we close. Uh, speaking of UF, Udonis Haslam, Florida Gator, who noticed UD tapping Justice on the back after he elbowed that dude in the face. <laughs> That oh, I didn't he, see that. He did. He tapped him on the back, and I was like, "Man, you don't, who saw that?" I, I I don't like the way they define flagrant fouls anymore. I think they need to be a little bit more subjective with that, because even though it's unnecessary contact, I think I think I don't think you have to weigh intent necessarily, but when it's 
obvious that it was just kind an of accident. an act in the middle of a basketball act, a natural basketball act, then I think you could probably have a little leeway with that. But they do say, I know, I remember Dwayne, was it Dwayne? Somebody used to say this, and it was in reference to Kobe Bryant. Uh, every elbow in the NBA is on purpose. Every elbow in the NBA, people know what they're doing. I don't necessarily agree with that. I play basketball. I elbow people sometimes by accident. Kobe's not, elbows not are always often. on purpose. It doesn't happen a lot. But, uh, but I think they say, they say that in the NBA. I don't, I don't find it to be true. Who did he elbow? Plumley. Yep. Yeah. He has, a, he has a very punchable face. Oh, he doesn't. Yes, and he, and does. he was playing pretty well, too. So that's probably another reason where he's just like, all right, maybe he did just kind he, of send a message. He leads the league in neckbeard now. Marco Bellinelli used to lead the league <laughs> in neckbeard, and now it's, it's – Dude, when he took the ball from Joe Johnson and basically break away layup – At the end of the half? Dude, honestly, I – I, I don't like to overreact, but I almost cut Joe Johnson. I almost <laughs> what? Cut him. Oh, I was so pissed off. You always it, get pissed off. I do. Yeah. It's, do you ever get those feel like when a play like that happens, when things are going well for you, especially on the road, you ever get that feeling where it's just like, well, that's not this game's just not happening. Like it's just not yeah. going to happen. Yeah, we call it, of course. Yeah, we call it. Of course. <laughs> but even though, even though the Heat's winning, like you just or whatever team it is, you know, a we lot know. of the time we know. But yeah, you just kind of know. <laughs> we know. We knew before that game started. Game on the road against the Bucks that they kind of need with long rest. Right. When a Plumlee, think, it doesn't matter which one. When a Plumlee picks off a guard and goes full court for a layup right before the buzzer, it's done. Yeah, you pretty We're much done. know it's, it's not. Gonna it's it's a backbreaker. Even if you win that game, you didn't deserve to because of that play. Like we were, I think that we were up seven. That put us up five. Yeah, and I knew at that point. What's this like, community yeah, of we? It's not we. It's them. Who? Them. No, listen. We, listen. We, oh, we're 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 media. I'm no. I'm not media. I'm not a journalist. I'm a loser on Twitter that writes columns every once in a while that you guys are dumb enough to publish. I don't get ahead of myself. I'm a Heat fan. Milk your ass I for think, all your worth. We just really need exactly. You are clicky, my friend. Izzy, you know they don't pay me at all, right? I don't, I we do. can't pay you. We're putting up pictures illegally. We're stealing <laughs> from Getty Images. Like, we have to pay for that. Um, we just started AdSense, like, today, too. Anyways, that, gentlemen. You know, George and I do the, uh, we do that, that local hour uh, when we fill in for Levitard. We do that for free. Nobody's paying oh, us that's, that. Are you kidding me? Mm-mm. I tell, Z- I tell Zaz and Romberg's ass to stay an extra hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why, I mean... I wasn't overly upset that I, m- I was late the other night, uh, the other day, because of traffic. I was only upset because that was the only time we could talk to Courtney B. Vance. And I really wanted to do that interview because I'm all about the people versus OJ. And uh, we interviewed him at 9.15 that day, and George had to do that interview solo. And I was sitting there in traffic just doing it. Damn it. it. Very mad. The one time you wanted to work for free. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on this show. For all of you, especially Izzy, we're a student-run entity. Brian and I are student journalists, so it means a lot to us that you took the time out to do this. Thank you so much. We had a lot of Hey, fun. keep up the good work, man. Both of you, or all three of you, actually, but in terms of the student uh, journalists. <laughs> uh, yeah. Keep that up, and uh, yeah, oh, best of luck you. to all of you. Thank you very much. Alf, as always, sir. Thank you, sir. Four Thanks, bar, is. Four bar what? Four bar master? Four bar superstar. Four bar superstar. Brian. All right, boys, thank you so much. See you guys. Have a good night, Izzy. Thanks again. You too.